0: Uh, a lot of you who are new, you don't know this. I'm, I'm from Georgia. I was born and raised in, a, in Atlanta, Georgia. And the idea sometimes is typically from people, people that are from Georgia cannot talk real fast. You know, that maybe they talk at a slower pace than a lot of other people. However, I do know that we're doing three one-hour services, and all I want to say is when a Georgia boy needs to talk fast, a Georgia boy can do it. And I'm going to talk fast this morning. I am. So if I talk fast, you promise you'll listen fast. Just wave your hand at me like this. If I were to walk to one of the busiest places in our community and just go sort of from person to person, asking them a couple of questions, and I'll give you the questions in a moment. If I were to ask these two questions to people, I just wonder, I thought about it a lot while I was working on this talk, just what would their response be to these two questions? Here's question number one. If I were to just walk up to somebody randomly, I didn't really know them, they didn't really know me, and I were to ask them this question, if you were to die today, first of all, they'd say, hey, hang on, please, let's not start there. But if I just, let me just ask the rest of the question. If you were to die today and you were to stand before God, what would you say to God as to the reason why he should let you into his heaven? Think about that question. If you died today, I asked somebody that question and you stood before God and God were to ask you, "Why should I let you into my heaven?" Then what would your response be? And uh, you can only imagine as can I what some of those responses would be. Question number 2. I might would follow that up with and here's that question. Are you absolutely certain, absolutely without a doubt? Without any reservation or hesitation whatsoever, are you absolutely sure that you're going to heaven when you die? What kind of reaction do you think I would get to that question? I think some people would say, "Well, you know, I think I'd hear a lot of this." Well, I hope I am. I guess so. I'm not really sure, but I guess so. I I think I am. You know, I really don't know. And I think there'd be a myriad of responses to that question. And maybe even those questions you would want to ponder in your mind uh, for just a moment. Even this morning, if you were to die today, if I were to die today and stand before God, God were to ask us, why should I let you into my heaven? What would we say? If somebody asked us the question at some point today or this week, are you sure, absolutely sure that you're ready to go to heaven when you die? And you know what, friends? Those are really, really important questions. And you have to be foolish to not prepare for something that is totally inevitable. I don't know if you know this or not, but let me go ahead and tell it to you. The mortality rate still hovers somewhere around 100%. How many of you know that? Still hovers around 100%. The truth is one day, all of us are going to die. The truth is one one day, all of us are going to face God when we do die. But here's the problem. None of us know when that's going to happen. So it's important that we be ready at all times, should it happen. Michelle Hunt is a young, healthy lady that attends our church. And, you know, you just look at her and talk to her and just say, she doesn't have a concern. She's just got her whole life. There's no physical abnormality or problem that she could have whatsoever whatsoever but I want you to take just a moment and listen closely to Michelle's story.
1: I've attended Victory Church for eight years now and I've found a great group of friends here. I go to a small group regularly. I've started working with Circle J during the summer and I recently started working with um, Extreme Team and I've also been on a missions trip for Victory and I feel like I finally found a place where I belong. This past summer on June 27th, I was sitting with a friend eating breakfast and we were just talking and I started to get a weird pain in my tooth and it went to my jaw and the back of my head and I remember I was sitting there listening to her talk, wondering, you know, should I say anything or what should I do because I just don't quite feel right. So I said to Pam, I don't feel good and instantly um, I turned white as a sheet. She got out her phone and she called 911 because um, she thought I was having a heart attack. Once they got me to the hospital, they began to do a flurry of tests to try to determine what was wrong with me. And it was around lunchtime, so Pam and everyone left to go get something to eat. And I remember I was laying there by myself with my eyes covered and the doctor walked in and I remember him saying to me, you just had a brain aneurysm. And I remember screaming and I said, I had what? Am I going to die? And he looked at me and said, you need to calm down. It's important your blood pressure doesn't rise. The doctors and nurses were in trying to keep me calm and make sure my blood pressure wasn't rising. But at that point, a ton of people began arriving, some of my closest friends, and started praying for me. Pastor Josh and Brittany came and prayed for me. Um, Laura and Kristen from my small group showed up and started to pray for me. Um, Pastor Teresa was on a missions trip and they contacted her. Her and her team began to pray for me. Um, my sister and all my family in South Carolina started to pray for me and they handed the phone to me and my sister was on the phone and she said to me, Michelle, you're going to be okay. And she started to pray for me. Um, after I hung up with her, the nurse even said, I'm a Christian, would you mind if I pray for you? And the number of people that really just began to pray for me right then at that moment was overwhelming. It was decided that I would go to Tampa so that they could do an angiogram there. They couldn't medevac me because of the weather, so they put me in an ambulance to take me. And I remember when I was in the ambulance on the way, two things very clearly went through my mind. The first one was fear of what is gonna happen, am I gonna be okay? But the second thing was I had this strange peace and I knew that God was with me. So they wheeled me in to get me prepped for the angiogram. And I remember as they were prepping me, um, tears were just streaming down my face. I was wondering if these were my last moments on earth and if I was gonna wake up in heaven. I was so scared, I couldn't even pray for myself. But I knew that other people were praying for me and that was extremely comforting. After the angiogram and I started to wake up, I remember everything was kind of blurry. I was really unsure of my surroundings, and I really started to hyperventilate. I started to just freak out, and I remember the nurse, she grabbed my face, she looked into my eyes, and she said to me, Michelle, if you can see this ugly face of mine, you're not in heaven, so calm down. And at that point, I began to realize, wow, I'm alive, I'm okay. I managed to um, squeak out you know, what's wrong with me, am I okay? And I remember I heard a voice say, you're fine, there is nothing wrong with you. We found absolutely no cause for the brain bleed. I stayed in the hospital for 10 days and on July 6th, I was released to go home and recover. And through the summer, it was a very difficult recovery process. But on February 18th of this year, I went back to the neurologist and I'll never forget the words he said to me when he walked into the room. He said to me, how's my favorite patient doing? The girl that could have died or needed major surgery, but my friend, I did nothing for you and you no longer need to come back. And I remember thinking, you did nothing for me, but God did everything. I'm Michelle Hunt and this is my resurrection story.
0: That's a great story. And obviously, God intervened in Michelle's life. But you think about it, if you had asked Michelle one hour before she had that brain bleed, if that would happen, she'd say, no way, no how. I'm young, I'm healthy. I've got my whole life ahead of me. See, all of us are gonna stand before God one day. It's gonna happen. All of us are gonna die, whether we like it or not. It's gonna happen. Everybody gets a birth date, everybody gets a death date. And the question that I think is utterly profound is, do we know? knowing that we're all gonna face God, knowing that we're all gonna face eternity, do we know for certain that we're ready for heaven. I have some good news for you today. God does not want you to have any doubts whatsoever about being ready for heaven. He does not want you to simply wish you're going there. He doesn't want you to wonder as to whether or not you're going to go there. He doesn't want you to worry about going there. See, a lot of people have a lot of different ideas about how are they going to get to heaven and, you know, all kinds of notions and how do you get to heaven and what do I have to do or what? And I love this little story. Uh, it says a boy was waiting on his mother to come out of a store as he waited he was approached by a man who asked son can you tell me where the post office is the boy replied sure just go down the street two blocks and it's on your right the man thanked the boy and then said to him I'm the new preacher in town and I'd like for you to come to my church on Sunday I'll show you how to get to heaven the little boy replied with a laugh I don't think so I don't think you can tell me you don't even know the way to the post office how can you tell me how to get to heaven you don't even know how to get to the post office. I ran across this one just this week. I thought you'd like it. So I brought it with me. A woman dies or so it goes. She goes to the gates of heaven and she asks St. Peter, how do I get into heaven? Peter said, all you have to do is spell one word correctly. That's all she asked. What's the word? He says, love, L-O-V-E. She gets right in. A few days later, St. Peter asked if she could watch the gate for him for a few hours. And she does. Much to her surprise, while she's watching the gate, her husband shows up and she asks him, how have you been? He says, well, actually, I've been doing quite well. You remember that beautiful young nurse that took care of you while you were not doing so well? Well, I married her and then I won the lottery. And sold the little house where you and I lived. And I bought this great, big, beautiful mansion. My beautiful new wife and I were skiing in the Swiss Alps. When I had this accident that brought me here. I'm glad I made it to heaven. But how do I get in? She said, all you got to do is spell one word correctly. He said, really? Uh, That's all I got to do. What's the word? She said, Czechoslovakia. (laughs) Just something for you to think about. Well, I want to tell you how you really get to heaven, and this is not my opinion, it's not the latest gossip, it's not a political slant, instead I'm going to show you what God says in his own book, the Bible, and it's probably best if we begin with the basics. Some of you old timers, you remember this legendary basketball coach at UCLA, Uh, I think still to this day, I believe. He is credited to leading more teams to win the national championship NCAA championship than any other coach. John Wooden is his name. And I've got some basketball shots up here that I brought with me. And the reason I've got them is because when you think about going back to the basics, I was reading a little bit about these guys that I'm going to mention to you this morning. Uh, John Wooden, this legendary coach always took the first practice of every season with his new players, freshmen, you know, returning players, you know, sophomores, juniors, seniors, and he always spent the first practice not on dribbling skills or shooting three-point foul line. He spent the first practice actually teaching them how to put their shots on correctly. That's that's the basics. How do you put your socks on correctly? Because his notion was this. If you get blisters and you don't take care of your feet, your feet are not going to take care of you, and you are not going to be able to perform at your highest capacity. We've got to go, John Wooden would say, we've got to go to the basics. There's another coach, and you'll see his picture on the screen. A lot of you, especially from the north, Wisconsin, remember this guy, Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi. Thank you, gig. Great pass. Average catch. Vince Lombardi actually did this. He actually would, on the first practice with his, "These are professional players. This is not your local uh, little team. Professional players." He began every season this way, he'd gathered these, these pro players together, and he'd hold up a football just like this. And this is what he'd say, "Gentlemen, this is a football. This is a football. This is the basics." And I want to take you to the basics this morning for the few moments that we have together. And there's no more basic verse in all of the Bible. In fact, this is the most famous verse in the Bible, and it's John three sixteen. And I want you to take a look at it on the screen. In fact, I want all of you to read it with me. Everybody, 100%. Let's read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now what we're going to do for the next few moments between now and the end of the service is we're going to look at John 3:16 phrase by phrase and we will discover four truths about getting into heaven. You see, I don't want there to be a single person that leaves this service today wondering about how do I get to heaven? How do I get to heaven? I know one day I'm going to stand before God. I know that eternity awaits me out there somewhere, but how do I get to heaven? I want you to know with absolute certainty how you can do that. So I'm going to give this to you. In fact, you don't have to take it out now because it's a little dark. You can see it, but in your... In your bulletin today is a little insert that looks just like this. You can take it home. I've got the main points of my talk on there. I've got a lot of scriptures, and you can look at it later. You could give it to a friend, and you can help them to understand. In fact, if you take that first word, uh, the first verse, John 3.16, and you look at these six words: God, only, Son, perish, everlasting life, it actually spells gospel. The gospel. And that's what I want to give you today is I want to give you the gospel. I want to give you the good news. I want to tell you how you can know for certain you're going to heaven when you die. And here's the first way you can know how. Here's what you've got to do. This is what you've got to do to get into heaven. Number one, you must recognize God's love. You must recognize God's love. What does it say in John 3, 16? It begins with these words, for God so loved the world. And I want you to think about that for just a moment. And I want you to think about that in your own life uh, personally, not just uh, globally, not just categorically involving everybody, but I want you to think about how much God loves you. Do you realize that God created you to love you, that his love for you, the love that God has for your life is an unconditional love? It is an extravagant love. It is a love that is beyond anything that you can even comprehend. In our life, a lot of times, this is how we think. Well, they love me, therefore I'm gonna love them, or I'm gonna love them in hopes that they're gonna love me. And how many of you know that there is a lot of imperfections? There's a lot of shortcomings with the love of people, with the love of human beings, but not with God. God loves you on your best days, and God loves you on your worst days. God loves you when you've done everything right, and he loves you on days when it seems like you've done everything wrong also god's love for you is not based think about this now it is not based on who you are it's actually based on who he is and what he has done i want you to look at these two verses this is first john four verses nine and ten look at what it says about the love of god god showed how much he loved us how did god show it by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we love God. See, God started loving us before we could ever love God. God didn't say, well, I'm gonna wait till you love me and then I'm gonna try to love you in return, that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Guys, I want you to put up these next two verses. This is Ephesians. Ephesians 3, 18 and 19 says, may you be able to feel and understand as all God's children should. Look at this now. How long, this is describing the love of God. How long, how wide, how deep and how high his love really is. Look at that. How long and wide and deep and high. And to experience this love for yourselves, though it is so great, God's love is so great that you will never see the end of it. You can't understand it. You can't comprehend it or fully know or understand it. And so at last, you will be filled up with God himself. I like what Paul is saying there to these believers living in a place called Ephesus in ancient times. And he said, you want to know about the love of God? I will tell you about the love of God. It is long and it is wide and it is deep and it is high. And I want you to think about that for just a moment. How long is the love of God? That's what Paul says. It's long and wide and deep. And how long is it? It's long enough to last forever. It's long enough to last forever. I want you to know this. Nobody could ever love you like God loves you. A lot of times, you know, and somebody says, well, I just want somebody that will love me. I-, I just want to find a guy that will love me. I just want to find a girl that will love me. I just want to find somebody that will love me. And here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say. There's no guy, there's no gal, there's no person, there's no human being alive or Has ever lived or will ever live that can love you the way that God loves you? His love is long enough to last forever. How wide is God's love? It is wide enough to be everywhere. It's everywhere present. Not just, you know, restricted to some areas for some people, it's for everybody everywhere. How deep is the love of God? Deep enough to cover up all your problems. Is there anybody in this room that's ever had a problem? How many of you have had at least 10 problems this week? Sort of way back. I mean, we live in a world of problems. How great is the love of God? It is so deep, it's deep enough to handle all your problems. How high is the love of God? It is high enough to forgive your mistakes. So first of all, if you want to know for sure that you're going into heaven, I'm going to give you four things. The first one is this. You must recognize God's love. Secondly, you've got to receive God's gift. You see, God has a gift for you. God has a gift that he wants to give to you. In fact, it's there back in John three sixteen. I told you we were going to look at this verse. He gave, it says, his only begotten son. How much does God love you? I'll tell you how much. He loves you enough to give to you, to send to you the very best that he has. See, the Bible does not say this. It does not say that God sent just a moral leader. The Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say what God in heaven decided that he was going to send a moral leader. That is not what the Bible says. It does not say that he's going to send a good man, although Jesus was a good man. But the Bible never declares that God said, you know what I'm going to do? Because I love you, I'm going to send to you a good man, or I'm going to send to you an angel, or I'm going to send to you a prophet. God did not send any of those things. God sent the very best that he had, and the very best that God had was his son, Jesus. So why would God send the very best possible gift? Why would God, you think about this friends, why would he send his sinless, perfect son into such a broken, dark, corrupt world? Why would God do that? Why would he do that? I mean, Jesus was in a perfect place. And why would he send Jesus, the best that he had to offer, send him to this broken, messed up world, dark world, depraved world? Why would he do that? Romans 3, 24 and 25, you'll see it on the screen, tells us exactly why. Out of sheer generosity, God puts us in right standing with himself. This is what? What kind of gift? It's a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in. How many of you, God's ever got you out of a mess? He got us out of the mess we're in, and he restored us to be where he always wanted us to be, and he did it by means of Jesus Christ. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear that world of sin. That is how much God loves you, and that's why God sent his best gift. When Jesus came to this world, having been sent by his Father, Jesus did not show up to be famous. How many of you know he could have showed up to be famous? But Jesus was not about fame. Jesus could have just showed up and walked around and told everybody that uh, they were doing wrong and, you know, being oppressive and just restrictive and, and just sort of take the fun and joy out of life. But that is not what Jesus chose to do. Jesus did not choose to become famous or to oppress anybody. He did not come to enjoy the good life. He actually had a great life in heaven. Why he left heaven is this. He left heaven to come to earth to die on a cross for you and for me. Because he loves us. Romans 5 6 you'll see this on the screen. When we were unable to help ourselves, at the moment of our need, Christ died for us, although we were living against God. Although we were living against God. He said, you know what? I still love you. And I'm still, even though you're living against me, I'm gonna send to you the very best that I have. I'm gonna send to you my son. And friends, when you think about it, that not only reflects the love of God, it also re- reflects and represents the grace of God. And you may be wondering, well, you know, I, I hear this word grace, and, you know, it's one of those Bible kind of words, but I don't really know what grace means. And I'll give you the most simplest uh, definition of grace that I know how, and is this. Grace is, is when God gives to us what we need, not what we deserve. That is grace. Grace is when God looks at us and says, you know what? I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm glad that God did not give me what I deserve. Because if God gave me what I deserve, I'm not standing here. In fact, there's just a little pile of dirt that once represented what I was. Don't ever say to God. And you may say it to somebody else. But please, please don't ever say to God this statement. I just want what I deserve. Don't say that to God. The reason you don't want to say that to God is the same reason I don't want to say it to God. Because all of us have blown it. All of us have messed up. All of us have made mistakes. We've all sinned. And I just, you know, don't have, you don't have to raise your hand, although there would be no hands raised. And if so, then there's another talk that I'll provide in the future that maybe will help you. And that is, did anybody in this place today show up and you are perfect? Is there anybody that has shown up in this place that you are completely faultless, that you are sinless, that you don't make mistakes, that you're a good person 24/7, and you've never messed up. If there's any person that uh, is in the service that is like that, I want you to come down and meet me right after the service because I've never met Jesus Jr. in person, but I'd like to. All of us have made mistakes. Now, here are some of the greatest news that you are ever going to receive. Here's some of the greatest news that you're ever going to hear. You deserve to be punished, and so do I. But someone has already taken upon himself our punishment. Somebody has already paid our debt, and that someone is Jesus And I want to show you one of the most, I think this is one of the most amazing verses found in all of the Bible. It actually speaks of what I think is just like this unconscionable, this unimaginable exchange. I want you to see this verse. Maybe you've never seen it before. Look at it right here on the screen. This is what it says. God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins you think about that, every sin, I talked about this actually last week here at Lakeside, and that is that God took upon himself all of our sins, that when Jesus died on the cross and the Father turned away and Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did God say that? Not because he was disassociating himself from Jesus, it is simply because when God saw the way to the whole world, your sin and my sin, every sin that we had ever committed, every sin that had ever been committed, and that is all upon Jesus, God, because he's so righteous and so holy and so so pure, he cannot look upon all that sin upon his son. So he looks away and God is like, Jesus is like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here's the great exchange. God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Now look at what we get in return. Then in exchange, he poured God, God's goodness into us. Go back to that verse just for a second. Look at that one more time. Go back to the last one. Here it is. God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. You think about that. Then in exchange, what did we get? God poured his goodness into us. It's like we say, God, thank you for making this offer to us that Jesus took upon himself all of our sins. And the exchange is, you put your goodness into us. I I don't recommend that you try this to exchange things that just Does not make sense. Because that doesn't make sense to me. That does not, I believe it to be true and I know it to be true because it's in the Bible and everything God says is true. But it seems too good to be true that God would take all of my sin and in exchange, he'd pour God's goodness into me. Do not try this. This is not to be, you heard that expression, do not try this at home. Do not try this this week. Do not show up at a car dealership and inquire of somebody that you're interested in buying a new car. And then they show you about 10 different cars and you test drive about eight of them. And they get ready to work out the deal. And you say, well, I'm ready for the exchange. And then you say, and you hold up a nickel and say, I'll take that car for this nickel. How many of you know you may get ran off the lot? Because that exchange doesn't make any sense at all. It's unimaginable to me that God would say, here's the great exchange. I'll take all of your sin and I'll put it upon Jesus. And Jesus is going to die for you. And then I'm going to put my goodness. See, if there were any other way for you or I to get into heaven, then God would have never wasted the effort to send Jesus. But someone had to pay our sin debt. Somebody had to go to the cross for us. And Jesus did that because Jesus knew this and God knew this, that none of us can earn our way into heaven and we can't buy our way into heaven and we can't be good enough to get into heaven. We get into heaven because God is filled up with love and grace and God has made to us an amazing offer. How can you know for certain, with absolute certain, that you're going to heaven? Firstly, you must recognize God's love. Secondly, you've got to receive God's gift. Thirdly, be sure you get this, you must respond to God's offer. And here's God's offer, whoever believes. That's the offer offer offers for anybody, whoever believes in Him. The offer that God has made to you is truly an offer that you cannot refuse. You cannot, well, technically you can but it would not be wise to actually refuse it would be totally unwise to do so. So what is this incredible offer that God makes to us? Look with me at this verse, Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. And here's God's offer to you. And I want you to see this really, really clearly. Here's what he offered. The free gift of eternal salvation is now being offered to everyone. Keep that up for just a moment and think about that in your own life. What's being offered to you? Everybody. You're a part of everyone. Everyone. This is not for a select few. This is not for some people and you're excluded. It's offered to everyone. What's offered? The free gift of eternal salvation. What does it cost? What does it, I mean, just look there with me. What does it cost? I'll tell you what it costs. It costs Jesus everything. It costs Jesus his life, but it's free to us. And what is the gift that he offers? The gift of eternal salvation. Who's it offered to? Every last person seated in this theater right now. Actually, every last person seated in the world. Look at this next verse. This is Colossians 3:11. I want you to see this verse. Colossians 3:11 says, in this new life, one's nationality or race or education or social position is unimportant. Such things mean what? Nothing. Such things mean nothing. Whether a person has Christ is what really matters, and he is equally available to who? To everybody. Now, I know I've been a pastor for quite some time. I I know that it's hard for somebody like me to have been in in ministry, to be a pastor for for now uh, going on about 33 years. And you say, well, how can you do that when you're only 37 years old? I got started really young. I've been a pastor a really, really long time. And I know a lot about how people think when they see verses like some of the verses that you're seeing this morning. Somebody says, well, you know what? I I see that, and you know, thank you, and I I appreciate that. I feel a little bit encouraged. I feel a little bit hopeful, but truth be told, a lot of people feel this way. In fact, there are people right now in this service, and you know who you are. You're seated right where you're seated, right where you're seated, male, female, young, old. You know, even, even as I'm talking right now, you're thinking this, but this really does not apply to me. Jeff, if you really knew who I was. If you really know what I've said, if you really know what I've done, then you wouldn't say to me what you're saying right now. First of all, I want to just make this declaration. No, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. I don't know necessarily what you've said. I definitely don't know what you've done. But this is what I want you to know. God knows what you've said. God knows what you've done. God knows who you are. And God loves you anyhow. And He still offers to you the free gift of salvation. And you may be thinking, could it possibly be that simple? There must be a catch. You know that old expression, you know, if it sounds too good to be true it is. Well, that is true. And that is true in about 99.9%. In fact, I'll take it even a little 99.99% It's generally true. But in this case, what sounds too good to be true is actually true. I want you to look at this next verse right up here on the screen. God says this, God says, I will accept and equip, uh, acquit you God declares us not guilty if we trust Jesus to take away our sins. And we can all be saved in the same way. How can we be saved? How can we know we're ready for heaven? By coming to Christ. No matter, read the rest of it with me, everybody. No matter who we are or what we've been like. Please listen to what I'm about to say. This is so very important. It may be the most important thing that I'll say before I'm done. And that is this. There are going to be scores of people that are going to miss heaven by a mere 18 inches. Did I hear you right, Jeff? Yes, you heard me right. There are going to be scores of people that are going to miss heaven by only 18 inches. And the reason I say that, they've got Jesus in their head. They know about Jesus, but they don't have Jesus in their heart. They're going to miss heaven by only 18 inches. Romans 3.24 says this, We are justified. You say, what's that big word? I'll tell you. We are justified freely. There's that word again, freely. We, We can't earn it. We can't buy it. We can't be good enough. We are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Some of you are saying, well, you know what? That's why I typically don't go to church because I don't understand those big, big words like justification and sanctification and all of those other words. Well, you know, at our church, we just try to take a word like that and we just try to break it down. And here's the best way that I know how to help us to understand what justification really means. It means this, that God will treat us. When you think of justification, think this, just as if I'd never sinned. That's how God will treat me. God will justify me freely if i'll receive him and he will justify me he will treat me just as if i'd never sinned how can you know for certain you're getting into heaven you must recognize god's love you've got to receive god's gift you must respond to god's offer and then lastly you rely on god's promise here's god's promise this is right out of john 3:16 that you should not perish but have, here's the two words, everlasting life. Do you realize this as we get ready to wrap up this service today? Do you realize this, that you were actually made to last forever? It is true, it is true. One day, your heart is gonna stop beating. That's gonna happen. One day, people are gonna attend your funeral service. That's gonna happen. But you're not gonna be dead. Your body will be, but your soul will not. Your soul, your spirit Will last forever. When they put your body in a casket and put that casket in the ground, you be clear on this, that's the end of your body, but it is not the end of you. And God loves you so much that God wants you to spend all of eternity with Him in heaven. But I want to be clear about this, friends. Please listen to me. I want to give you a lot of hopeful encouragement today. I want to give you the truth. And it's not my truth, it's actually God's truth. We've looked at the Bible, not my opinion. But I've got to tell you this. You cannot ignore God your whole life long and then expect to have everlasting life in his presence. So this is what I encourage you to do. Get to know God now. Become a part of God's family now. You can even become a part of God's family even today. I, I love these verses. Look at these verses out of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Look at these verses. We are now members of God's own family. Now we live in the hope of eternal life. That's God's promise because Christ rose again from the dead. That's what we're celebrating today. Easter, Christ rose from the dead and God has reserved for his children the priceless gift of eternal life. It is kept in heaven for you, for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay and God in his mighty power will make sure, will make sure you don't have to have questions about it, that you get there to heaven safely to receive it because you are trusting in Jesus. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to trust in Jesus. So as I close, I want to just quickly, and I'll mention them just sort of rapid fire, three tremendous benefits for giving your life to Jesus. Here they are. You give your life to Jesus. Here's what's going to happen. Your past will be forgiven. You get a brand new start. In golfing terms, you get a mulligan. You get a do-over. You get a clean slate. Your past will be forgiven. Secondly, you'll get a purpose for living. Everybody wants to have meaning. Everybody wants to have significance in their life. Everybody, by the way, everybody wants to be happy. I hope that you will come back next Sunday. Next Sunday I'm starting a 5-week series on how you can live a happy life. A lot of people say, "I want to be happy, but I'm not happy and I don't know how to become happy." I'm going to take the next 5 weeks right out of the Bible. I hope you'll come back for that. But everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants meaning. Everybody wants significance in life. And then thirdly, everybody wants, and here's a benefit, a place reserved for them in heaven. Because the truth of the matter is, you and I are going to live longer in eternity than we're ever going to live in this world. I hope to live, I hope to live to be 105. I hope, if my mind's still straight. My mind's not straight. Go ahead and take me home. So I hope to live be 105 but 105 against eternity is nothing it's my it's a microcosm it's this small we're going to spend longer in eternity and it's just foolish to say you know what i'm just going to live here my few years my 50 my 80 my 90 my 105 years and then i'm going to have all millions upon millions upon millions of years eternity has no end life in this world has an end. eternity has no end and it would be foolish to just discount what is inevitable for your life and mine you see, if you're a Christian are you were to become a Christian, and I hope you will, I hope you will today. If you become a member of God's own family, the most amazing five minutes that you will ever experience in life will be the first five minutes after you die and you wake up in heaven. It'll be amazing. When you take your last breath, if you're in Christ, you take your last breath in this world, your next breath is in heaven with God. I heard somebody write about it one time, a scholar, a theologian said it's like taking every great day in our life, a birthday, a Christmas, a vacation, taking all the best days in our life, putting them all into one day, and that one day would not even begin to compare to how great heaven's gonna be every single day. And God wants you to be there, and he's made provision, and he offers to you a free gift. I trust that you'll trust Jesus. If you wanna become a Christian today, then I'm gonna ask you to pray a prayer with me. In fact, would everybody bow your head? Would everybody bow your head? Would everybody close your eyes? If you say, Jeff, I want to become a Christian. Jeff, I want to know that I am ready for heaven. I want to know for a fact that when I die, I'm going to heaven. If that's you, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's going to be looking at you. But you just lift up your hand and you say, will you pray for me? I want to pray that prayer with you. Just lift it up real, real high. And let me see it. I see your hand right over here and your hand. I see your hand right over here. I'm just looking. See your hand back there. I'm just looking. Give me just a moment. See your hand back there. I see your hand. I see your hand way in the back, very back row. I see your hands. I see your hand right over here. I see your hand right down front. Thank you. See your hand. Would you just pray right there, right where you're at. I know it sounds too good to be true, but I promise you it's true. It's true, I promise. Just pray something like this in your heart and your mind. Just even now say, God, thank you. Thank you so much for your great love for me. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus, your best gift, into this world. Just pray these things in your mind. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me. So the offer of salvation is available to me. Just say that. Me too, God. Me too. That's what I'm praying. Just say to God, I really want to spend eternity with you in heaven. I really do. I want all of my past sins and mistakes to be forgiven. I want a real purpose for living. God, I need the assurance of a reserved place for me in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me and for giving me a new start. I'm a Christian now. I'm a part of God's family. And I know without a doubt I'm going to heaven when I die. And I thank you for that, Jesus, in your name. And everybody said amen. "Amen." Can we put our hands together and give Jesus some praise? Now let me tell you what we're going to do real quickly, and we're done. We're out of time that card that I had you fill out earlier, just tear it off. There'll be a couple of us here standing at the doors and you just drop it when you leave. If you're new, you go out to the information table, they'll give you a gift. But this is really, really important. There's a lot of you that raised your hand and you prayed that prayer. I saw you raised your hand. I was the only one looking. And God, of course. And I saw, I've got a little book. Some members of our team want to give you. We're not, you know, they're not going to ask you a hundred questions. They're not going to even ask you one question. All you've got to do is come up and say, I want that book. In fact, you don't even have to open your mouth. You can hold out your hand and they'll give you the book. But please, if you pray that prayer and you receive Jesus, even though the flow is going to go that way, you come down this way. They're going to be spread across the front. You be sure you get one of these books before you leave. I'll see you next week. I'm going to talk about how do you have a happy life. I love you. Happy Easter, everybody.